Welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I'm Steven, your friendly neighborhood anesthesiologist. If you enjoy the content that we're creating here at the Black Doctors Podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to us. We're available on Apple, we're on um, Spotify, all the normal places that you listen to your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. You can rate our show, um, leave feedback if you'd like. If you really want to support us, you know you can visit our social media page on Instagram, The Black Doctors Podcast, or our website, theblackdoctorspodcast.com. There you'll find a link where you can actually uh, donate and support our works here. As the host and creator of this podcast and of Ethically Sourced, which is a supplement to The Black Doctors Podcast, I endeavor to use this platform to inspire as well as to support the weekly episodes featuring the stories of minority professionals has done an excellent job of inspiring the next generation. With regards to support, I want to be intentional about supporting minorities and those who are underrepresented in healthcare as well as other fields. I want to be specifically intentional about supporting black women. I want to be intentional about supporting black women physicians. In the last year, there have been several instances of black women physicians who have been taken advantage of and not supported by the field of medicine specifically in the fields of academic medicine. The stories are theirs to tell, but I do want to highlight a couple of these women and tell just parts of their stories, and you can look all of them up online and hear more about what they have to say. Earlier this week on the Black Doctors Podcast, I interviewed Dr. Daryl Gray. He's an associate professor of medicine and a gastroenterologist, and we talked extensively about climbing the ladder in academia in academic medicine, if you will, and what departments are looking for and how to play the game and how to progress in your career. This is such a crucial topic for physicians, you know, as we transition from residency training and on into our final careers. Although the discussion that we had showed, it shed a lot of light on the process and the challenges of promotion, uh, but it does only represent one possible practice model. Coming out of residency training, we're usually Choosing between a lucrative private practice career or perhaps a less financially lucrative but more altruistic practice model that's found in academic medicine. And yes, I know that is a generalization, but you know, because there are hybrid models that combine these interests, and each job that you look at and interview for will have its own nuances. For the students that are finishing residency, however, you will have to choose how you're going to practice eventually. We're already used to making these difficult decisions because after working incredibly hard to earn an admission to medical school, if you're blessed to have multiple offers, uh, you have to pick some way to choose between these offers for medical school, or acceptances rather. And for minority students, our race and our ethnicity, it likely played a role in where you chose to study medicine. Personally, I know it did for me. That is the very reason that I chose to study at the Howard University College of Medicine. I wanted to study medicine in a supportive environment that reflected my culture and the ideals as an aspiring black male physician. For me, this scenario played out once again during my residency applications. Uh, for those of us we know, there's common discussions that we'll have with our fellow applicants and they center around, why doesn't program X have any black residents? Why doesn't program Y have any pictures of their residents at all? Or do you know if there are any black attendings at this program? These are the conversations that were held definitely throughout the halls of Howard University College of Medicine, and I'm sure these discussions happen throughout different SNMA chapters or, or different schools across the country when black and brown students are preparing to apply to and interview for residency programs. For African-American medical students, there is a, a veritable green book, if you will, 
it is a it, it is passed by a word of mouth and it includes interview experiences and vibes and and stories that may or may not be welcoming to underrepresented minorities in medicine. For black students, oftentimes the second priority after location was you know studies show and, and that location is one of the number one factors in choosing a residency program, but very high up on that list for students of color is the diversity that is seen in that residency program and the diversity seen in potential future co-residents as well as future attendings and our faculty members. These residency programs are forever cultivating a track record for how accepting or unaccepting they are to diversity, whether that is diversity of skin color, sexual orientation, or thought. This speaks to the incredible importance of having black faculty members carry the torch and the burdens of academic medicine. After all the additional challenges of being black in healthcare, we do need attendings that will stay and deal with these systemic challenges found in traditionally non-black spaces. These attendees of color must forego these lucrative private practices and pledge their devotions to their students and to advancing their respective fields as well as to their patients. In February of 2020, Dr. Uche Blackstock wrote an article entitled Why Black Doctors Like Me Are Leaving Faculty Positions in Academic Medical Centers. Unfortunately, despite all of the altruistic motives for staying in academia, at some point we have to realize if our skills or talents are truly being appreciated. Are we affecting the change we want to see? In this op-ed piece, Dr. Blackstock describes her difficult decision to leave academic medicine. She talks about what academic institutions must do in order to pursue health equity. In her article, she writes, Black Americans continue to experience some of the worst health outcomes of any racial group. Black men have the shortest life expectancies. Black women have the highest maternal mortality rates. Black babies have the highest infant mortality rates. Diversifying the healthcare workforce to reflect patient populations is one solution. But that is a tall order when healthcare work environments can be unwelcoming and discriminatory to Black healthcare providers. She references a 2003 Institute of Medicine report that was published regarding racial and ethnic healthcare disparities. In this report, it describes the urgent need to increase diversity in the physician workforce. At the time of this paper, back in 2003, roughly 3.3% of physicians were black, compared with 13% of the U.S. population. We're almost 18 years after that report but the numbers have only marginally improved to roughly 6% of black physicians. There is still a lot of work to be done, but who is responsible for accomplishing this task? You know, who is responsible for these disparities in the first place? We know that academic medical centers are essential to accomplishing this monumental task. These institutions must uphold their commitment to maintaining diverse, equitable, and inclusive environments for black students and faculty. When black faculty onboard, they're often responsible for shouldering the burden of increasing diversity in medicine, in addition to being excellent clinicians, educators, and researchers. To quote Dr. Blackstock, she writes, I find it ironic that black faculty members are unfairly tasked with the complex and overwhelming chore of remedying the structural outcomes of centuries of institutionalized racism that we did not create in the first place. In her op-ed piece, she writes that after nine years of practicing in an academic medical center, she decided to leave her faculty position, and she attributes her decision to the toxic and oppressive work environment that she experienced there. From her experiences, she observed in many different ways minority students were discriminated against, whether by a biased selections process to the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Society, 
or simply from a lack of mentorship because they don't have physicians of color there for guidance and mentorship. She describes this as a leaky pipeline for minority trainees. She further details her experiences and the profound impact she's able to have on underrepresented minority students. Since leaving academic medicine, Dr. Blackstock has founded Advancing Health Equity. It is an organization whose primary mission is to engage with healthcare and related organizations around bias and racism in healthcare with the goal of mobilizing for health equity and eradicating racialized health inequities. Since this article was published, recent news has been rife with similar instances of discrimination, such as the story of Dr. Corey, who was fired from her position as a founding faculty member at Kaiser Permanente School of Medicine. She was the only Black American physician in her role, and she details receiving a favorable email over the summer of 2020 that stated her pending promotion in faculty rank. However, several months later, she was relieved of her faculty responsibilities and eventually fired. Or to put it mildly, her contract was not renewed. What was her crime? Her crime was facilitating small groups on the topic of racism. These small groups were requested, in fact, centering on the topic of racism in the setting of the George Floyd murders. She discussed topics related to the peaceful protests that occurred throughout the summer. More recently, we have the troubling story of Dr. Dinar, who was fired from her position as a program director of the Internal Medicine and the IMEM, rather, residency program at Tulane. Reading her story online raises troubling concerns for blatant racism and a culture of retaliation at Tulane. She was not empowered to act in her role as program director until a white male was appointed to position of an assistant program director. In documents, she exposes this atlas scoring system that the program uses to rank and select residency and fellow applications. This program was structured to rank traditionally black medical schools lower than other comparable programs. These stories of black women physicians and their abuse by the establishment reminds me of police brutality. Just like the proliferation of body cameras has neither increased or decreased the incidence of police brutality, rather it has merely exposed its existence, so also the exposure of discrimination present in academic medicine is merely exposing the reality that black pre-medical students, medical students, and physicians already knew existed. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you like what you heard, please go ahead, subscribe, comment, and rank this, this program. Please share with somebody else that you know that may benefit from the subject matter that we cover somebody that needs a little bit of inspiration or guidance in the healthcare fields, or somebody that is interested and has a passion for health equity, culturally competent care, and medical ethics. Please visit our Instagram page, The Black Doctors Podcast, or visit our website, theblackdoctorspodcast.com. You can click the link if you want to financially support the show. Thank you so much for joining us and tune in on Monday for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast.